Hey, everybody, and welcome to our podcast, Peace of Authenticity with the Andersons. We're so excited about the conversations that we have for you guys, and we hope that there's a good balance of both truth and real life stories. And so, like we always say, join, join in, in on, on the, the conversation. conversation. Oh, hey, everybody. That's fancy. Uh, I know. We're so excited to have our new friend, uh, Shanda Fulbright here. And um, she, I've started listening to her podcast. It's called uh, she, Her Faith Inspires. Oh, it's right behind your head. I should have just read that. <laughs> it's cool. It's a cool background, though, by the way. Down, yeah. But it, it's, uh, yeah, it's just amazing because she is an apologetics teacher. And also, which I was saying earlier, I love your about me on Instagram because it just says herald of truth, which is so true to what I've been hearing in your podcast. And so yeah. we're just so excited to get to chat with you a bit and kind of hear your heart about certain topics. And so, yeah. Oh, we're so excited too. And if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself so everyone can get to know you a little bit. Sure. I am happily married to my husband who I always say he's such a cute guy. Like I just, <laughs> I just think he's so cute. And I have, we together, we have three boys. Um, so I'm a complete boy mom. And uh, I love that too. I love, I don't ever think I would say that I love being a boy mom because I did want girls, but God knew. So uh, here I am <laughs> raising my boys in California. Like I said, soon to be moving yeah. uh, across the country. And we are, um, you know, last year, I think it was, I got into apologetics. So I haven't always been an apologetics teacher, but I felt like so many crazy things happened in 2020 and that the church didn't really prepare me for. And I grew up in church. So, um, and I thought when I started looking and listening, looking into apologetics and listening to apologetics instructors, I thought, what is this? And um, just, I gravitated towards it. And so yeah. now I went in full-fledged, got my apologetics certificate from Biola University here in California. And um God just routed my ministry through the podcast, even in that avenue. So <clears throat> I love speaking truth. Like you said, Herald of the Truth. I, I look at myself as that person, the person who mm. is just a fan of speaking truth into our culture that needs it so much. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I want, like, if, whenever you were talking about apologetics, like Aubrey has always been like pulled towards it, like what you were explaining, like that's always been something that's really been kind of a passion of yours too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the cool thing about apologetics is, is learning. Um, Jesus was very good about teaching examples in scripture, speaking truth in love and, and correcting. I mean, he tried to correct Pharisees and, and Sadducees all the time. I mean, they didn't have ears to hear what he was saying, obviously, but he never strayed from the truth. Even if it was hard to hear um, in, in scripture, we see many times Jesus, that the Bible tells us that Jesus turned and rebuked his disciples and, and oftentimes rebuked people. And, and the one thing that I always loved about apologetics is you're basically switching yourself into a confrontational type of truth. That's like, listen, um, I'm not backing down. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that that's sometimes what we do as Christians, you know, we, we always take the word love and it's like, well, that means that I have to, you know, kind of give in to what's going on around me when apologetics is like, I'm taking a stand against this. I'm standing for truth and I'm not going to budge. And I kind of like to argue anyway. So, 
right. uh, which I know, I know it's not arguing, but I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's very confrontational, which is kind of in my nature anyway. Yeah. Well, I think what makes it confrontational is the fact that it is truth and truth is mm. narrow. And so yeah. we have to remember that truth is not broad where everything can be, can fit into this box. Truth usually eliminates everything but one thing. And right. that's what we have to remember. Like when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, there is no other way. Yeah. It's very narrow. And so that's what brings the controversy into it. And I think that as Christians, we've kind of, we, we forgot that Christianity is an intellectual faith where we have to use our minds and come in. And we also think the word arguing or argument is negative because it carries a negative connotation. People's emotions get fired up. But arguments is actually where you have a true premise, a true premise, and a, a final true conclusion. Yeah. And people don't know how to argue these days. And so what I'm saying is Christians don't know how to bring in, in a valid argument where it's not a negative thing, where you're just laying out facts to where the conclusion is, of course, whatever the Bible's saying, the truth of Christianity. And so you're right. We've emphasized love where it's, love has to be defined. It's a term that has to be defined nowadays because mm -hmm. God says he's love, right? But you have that love Corinthians 13, 13 behind first Corinthians 13 lays out what love is and what love is not love rejoices in the truth. And so we have to remember that we, we cannot trade love only and yeah. well this may hurt somebody's feelings so I can't speak it and that's why I believe culture is floundering at the moment I mean we live in a postmodern age where subjective truth it was it was Immanuel Kant who says you can't know anything for sure and so that's ushered in that's part of this postmodern era where people they say is that really true can there be absolute truth you know, and so we have so many people that are questioning that. Well, the Christians have the truth. We have the absolute truth, but we don't know how to articulate. And apologia means defense. And so it means to defend the faith. In Greek, that's what apologia means. And, you know, you look through scripture, and I know I'm like talking a lot, but you, you guys push oh, the hot Yeah, yeah. no, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so you look through scripture and we see where Paul says, or excuse me, Peter says in First Peter, he says, be prepared to give a defense or he said, be prepared to give an answer for everyone who asks for the hope that is within you. Right. Yeah. Mm. Are we preparing the people in the church to give an answer? Most of the time, if you ask Christians, they're afraid to enter into conversations because yeah. they don't know enough. Yeah. So we haven't equipped our members to be prepared. We haven't prepared them. And then the members don't know how to go prepare themselves because Bible illiteracy is a huge huge weakness in the church right now. Hmm. And then you have Jude, Jude one. There's only, there's only one chapter in Jude, I guess. So Jude saying, I was going to write to you about our common faith, but I had to change it and encourage you to contend for the faith. Well, if you look at the word contend, contend means to, as if you were going to square up with an opponent, it means that you're in a rink, kind of like those MMA fighters, and yeah. you're going to stand your ground and you're going to, to know that this is an opponent. This is somebody who's coming against you. How do I defend the faith? And so he's saying contend for the faith. Paul's saying fight the good fight. Peter's saying be prepared to give an answer. And so we look at Christianity and it's not all, you know, be careful guys. We have to, we do have to speak truth and love. That's what grace and salt is. You know, let your conversation be seasoned with salt, always filled with grace. If we don't have a conversation that has grace, only salt, we're Bible bashers. If we don't have a conversation that has 
uh, if, we, if it only has grace and no salt, then we're too much on the side of not giving the truth. Yeah. It's a hard balance yeah. as Christians, but apologetics helps you balance that out. And so we have to use our minds to love God with all of our minds is getting into apologetics and know what we believe and why we believe it. And then articulate yeah. that into culture. Wow. I think so many people always lean towards, cause you were talking about our mind. That's just as important. Love the Lord, your God with your heart, soul, and mind. Mm -hmm. And people are like, well, I don't have to know everything because I can just tell how I felt whenever the Lord touched me, you know, and all these different things. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, but there's so many people out there. They're like, but I need to know the why, you yeah. know, some people need to know more why's than others, but that is like so important. And so uh, a question I was thinking when you're talking Shanda was whenever you got into apologetics. So what were certain like downfalls that you did see in the lack of preparation for the church? Well, we have a, this big deconstruction of faith going on where you have yes. these huge believers. I believe it was, uh, who was the guy from, um, Oh gosh, it was the band that I grew up. Oh, the with. brand new one, uh, yeah. Newsboys or? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So I'm like, what in the world? Last year in June, my husband and I are on our anniversary weekend. We hear um, where the guy from, um, gosh, I'm forgetting all their names right now. He sings the, more than the drops in the ocean. Um, Wait, anyways, was he Hillsong? No, he wasn't Hillsong, okay, but Hillsong okay. was another one. Yeah. Uh, anyways, this guy is from um, from a band that sings more than the drops in the ocean. Okay, I don't sing, but that's that's the song he sings. Okay. And yeah. He was raised in church, pastor's son. He's in his thirties, making a career and a living off of singing songs for the Lord. And he says, "I I'm I'm not going to say that I'm a total disbeliever in God, but I have been struggling with this for two years." And I'm, I'm basically taking a step back and leaving the faith. And I'm, I'm also leaving this, this job singing songs for God. He said, but I've been, I've actually made this decision two years ago, but I had to be careful because this is my livelihood. Okay. So wow. why, why did he come to this? Right. Mm -hmm. So he says, I don't, why, why would a good God send people to hell? Why is there hell? Why? Um, he was, he was asking these, these why questions of why hell? Why do bad things happen to good people? The basic questions that any atheist would ask. Actually, I always oh, tell parents yeah. this. You don't have to worry about the atheist. Your kids are going to ask you, how do we know God exists? Yep. Why do we believe the Bible is the only truth that there is, or, you know, that, that is the, the a true foundation of our, our Christian faith. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, he's asking this in his thirties, being raised in church under his father, who's a pastor. And so me and my husband were talking about it and we started to say, how would we answer those questions? If he came to me and said, Hey, my faith is on the line here. And I don't know if I believe in God. I need you to help me. How do you know this is a real thing? How do you know that I've put my, you know, for the, for the last 30 something years, I believed in this. Is this a facade? We all are going to wrestle. Oh, yeah. Jesus asked two questions. Who do men say that I am? Then he said, who do you say that I am? Oh yes. We yes. all have to answer that. Who do you say that I am question with God? Everybody's going to answer it. But people are, people, how they answer may just be the way that we give them the information and the evidence for God. And so when this began, when I started seeing this deconstruction of faith, I said, I thought to myself, the church isn't doing a good job because I was raised in church. And if I'm not sure how to answer his questions, right. being into the church, as long as I have been and raising my kids, I'm not going to let my kids go out of my house, not having a defense for the faith because they don't know. 
how to answer these questions either. So it just really put a fire in me. And then you have, you know, last year with all the race riots, and then you have COVID and people being fearful. And I saw so many false teachers just coming out of, we, we celebritize Christians in this country. So you have all these people just coming out and saying these wackadoo things that just don't align to the word. And I thought to myself, that's not going to, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to, I want to be an ambassador for truth. I want to be who God has called me to be. And I want to make disciples. That's what Jesus has called us to do. I don't need to have uh, thousands of people follow me. I need to speak the truth yeah. and how, wherever God takes that, he takes it. But my job is to speak the truth for the Lord and to know what I believe, why I believe it. So if somebody's about to deconstruct their faith, it's not because I didn't intercept that at some mm-hmm. point, their questions mm-hmm. and their doubts. And that's, that's the call of every Christian to go make disciples. Instead, you know, I, I've said this quote before, the word Christian is mentioned three times in the gospels and in, in the new Testament, the word disciples mentioned 300. We need to place an emphasis on discipleship because the Bible does, and not just making another member of our church. We're not doing a good job because he was a member for over 30 years and it didn't do any good. He needed to become a disciple and he needed to know what he believed, why he believed it and be able to answer those basic questions of why is there hell? Because if heaven is real and everybody believes in that, the percentage of people who believe in heaven over hell is astronomical. Why? Because we're afraid of it, but we have to talk about the truth of it. Yep. So that's what put the fire under me, you know, last year to get into apologetics is because there's too many people deconstructing their faith and it's becoming this fad or this thing. Yeah. It's crazy. And they've made a living off their ministry. You know, oh. they made a living off of proclaiming the name of God. That's a sad, sad thing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that that's, that's what's, you know, is kind of so funny about in America is a lot of times and not just in America, I bet it's all over the world, but I mean, we live in America, so it's easy to say in America, but you know, a lot of people want to pick and choose biblical truths and, and they, they want to, you know, they want to accept all the biblical truths that has to do with me and, and what, what I can get out of it and, and what feels good to me. Yeah. But then we want to discard, you know, everything that makes us uncomfortable mm-hmm. when, you know, in my experience of walking with the Lord, I continually find myself in situations where the Holy Spirit makes me get uncomfortable in order to make disciples, in order to, you know, walk up to somebody that I don't know and be like, Hey, you know, Jesus loves you or whatever. And be able to answer those tough questions. Like you're talking about, would you, would you say that that it would be the biggest downfall of, of everything going on right now is just, we have access to the most knowledge possible, Mm -hmm. but yet we don't understand it. Yeah. I think that's one of the things for sure. I think that we have a surface level knowledge of, of the Bible, of you know, of our pastor, how, how deeply are they going in? And our, and I, I've said this before too, on one of my podcasts talking about discipleship, our pastor, if he's only teaching us or preaching to us on, on a Sunday morning, he's not discipling us. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not saying that that's his job per se. I'm saying that there should be other people in the church where you have different classes and apologetics should be one, but a lot of times people are afraid to do apologetics because they think we're providing so much evidence. Where's the faith? Well, God doesn't give you so much evidence that you don't need faith. That would be, that would be contrary to the Bible. But I think one of the problems in America, because yes, America is different. Um, right now, even on my podcast episode this week, I talked about the persecuted church. 
Canada, I don't know if you guys have heard about Canada, pastors are going to jail as we speak if they have more than 25% capacity on a Sunday morning right now. And just another one, a, a pastor and his brother were arrested a couple weeks ago, barely released. They still have court dates coming up. And that doesn't, that's not to mention pastor, I think his last name was Coates, who was also one of the first ones to get in prison. That's our neighbor. That's, that's our neighbor. Then we have more than 3 million Christians in China who have been persecuted recently. Nigeria have been persecuted. India. We are blessed here in America. We have freedom of religion. And in a lot of ways, I believe that freedom of religion has crippled the church. The prosperity gospel did not come out of the Middle East. The prosperity gospel did not come from Asia. The prosperity gospel came out of America. Because when you say, if you do this and that, and if you have enough faith or you pay your tithes or whatever, God's going to put a check in the mail. What is that poor Chinese uh, Christian thinking when he's being persecuted and going to church underground? That, that doesn't apply, you know? So, and then obviously we know it doesn't align to biblical, you know, biblical yeah. truth. So I think we have a, a bunch of things. I think we've been spoiled. We, we don't know the true God. We've been, we've accumul- accumulated teachers that, that tell us what we want to hear because you're right. The truth does hurt at times, but the only thing that's going to grow us, it's the same thing in the gym. I do CrossFit, been doing it for six years. Mm-hmm. It hurts every day. There are times when I look at the workout and I'm like, I'm dreading it. My heart's yeah. beating fast oh. before we say three, two, one, go. But I know at the end of that workout, I'm going to be stronger. My body's going to be in better shape because I pushed it through a painful process. And that's what we don't like. We let, we want, we've, we want, we are a microwave generation where I just want to know what I need to know without putting in the work. And, um, and I'm not saying that that's a works base. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is when we step out in faith and say, God, I'm here, I want to learn. I want the Holy spirit to teach me. We have to understand that God is a God of process. He's not only a God of an instantaneous, here you have all that you need to know. He takes us through a process that's called sanctification. It's a growing process. And sometimes it hurts. Um, Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's going to be like, when we see God, we're going to see ourselves and we're going to cry out and say, oh, wretched man that I am like Paul did. And that hurts when you say that. That doesn't feel good to know that you failed God when you've sinned. But thank God we have that, the Holy Spirit within us saying, it's okay. We're going to continue in this process and you're going to get better. And a lot of people just don't want to put in the work. And I see that. I think whatever parallels, whatever you see in the physical, it parallels the spiritual. Yep. Mm-hmm. Look at the gym on January 1st. You got a bunch of gung-ho people. <laughs> you the do. Bible doesn't emphasize the start. The Bible emphasizes the finish. The Bible yeah. emphasizes endurance. The Bible emphasizes what happens and what takes place over that time of of, of enduring through hardship, that patience is produced, that God is working in us. And we just need to tell people to hang in there and continue in the process. Cause I guarantee, and I tell everybody this, when you start to study the word of God and you get into allowing God to renew your mind, like Romans 12, mm-hmm. tells us, you'll look back even a year from now and you'll say, Oh my goodness, look how far God took me. Look how yeah. much I know now. Look how God is using me. And we just don't realize it in the moment. Just like we don't realize it when we start eating healthy. We don't realize it when we start working out. And I use those, those comparisons a lot just because I think people can relate to what they see in the physical. A lot of times that happens in the spiritual. We just don't give it enough time. You know, we don't. So um, the process can be hard, but we got to hang in there. We got to know that going into it. You know, that's not going to be easy, yeah. but to endure and finish. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important to understand, you know, when Paul's talking in the New Testament, he compares it to an athlete running yeah, a race. Yeah. You know, he he compares 
to a lot of the hardships that, you know, like, I mean, he says, run the race as though prepared. Like you want to, you want to finish first. Like it's, yeah. a, it's a struggle. Like it's not just something that's like, okay, well, you know, as long as I make it, that that's all that matters. You know, I, I think that's important. Oh yeah. That's so true because um, in our last podcast, we talked, uh, we had some friends come on and they talked a lot about parenting mm-hmm. and something that really stuck out that our friend Shayla said was your children cannot live. They cannot sustain off of just one Sunday a week. And you bring them kicking and screaming by the way, <laughs> but also like there has to be a daily thing. And it's just like what you're talking about. You know, what Paul said that this is like, when you train your child up, you're training. That's like a daily intentional thing. Yeah. And with America, I think what the church ended up doing. So, because numbers are so important to the church in America, most churches in America, and that numbers mean, um, success okay. numbers also need mean, uh, finances coming in. And so it's just, what was a way that you could lace the gospel in the American dream? You know, how do we make this look bright and shiny? So you come with our billboard, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, but Christianity is, well, being a disciple more so is so much more than that. It's that it's those painful times where your faith is being tested and you're being stretched and you've been uncomfortable for a week now. And, you know, all these different things. And it's just the total opposite of what we see everywhere in the world. So it's that intentionality. And like you were talking about, we just need to get in the word and just so important. Yeah. I I think, I think, um, what do you say, Shannon, to the, to the people? Cause this is what happened to me not long ago. I literally sat there and I started reading scripture and every time before I would open up my Bible, I would say, Holy Spirit, show me something in here that I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And what I realized through Jordan and I did a journey of reading from Genesis to Revelation all in the, how long was it? A a month? 30 days. Yeah, 30 days. Yeah. And it was, it was cooking, you know, and it was like, man, like my, but what, what I realized in that journey was how much of scripture that God taught me versus how much I would, that man taught me. Mm-hmm. And then also it was like, man, did, have I ever sought through this stuff on my own? Or have I always been following what somebody else who's just yeah. as flawed as me right. has been teaching me and come to find out a lot of biblical truths that I thought were biblical truths weren't even in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like for, for those people that, that are, you know, just coming in on Sunday and all throughout the rest of the week, they don't open their Bible. They don't click on the Bible app. They don't do anything to refuel them. It's you're right. I think it, that people would be amazed at how little they actually know because they just go and they receive for an hour and a half and then they just go back to regular life. Yeah, I think, you know, when we're equating things to the physical and the spiritual, how they parallel each other, I was just talking to my boys the other day, because we do apologetics formally, I sit them down, but I tell them all the time, apologetics isn't the word of God, you have to be reading the word on your own, you need to cultivate that relationship, and so I told them, when you eat, do you only eat one time out of the week? (laughs) You only eat one time out of the day, Yeah. of course they said no. And so I told them that this, that's the same thing in the spirit. How are we, how are we nourishing the soul that God has given to us? Jesus even paralleled it to food. He said, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
So we need that to survive. We need the word of God and the truth. We will never speak truth into culture if truth isn't in our hearts already. Mm. We will never cultivate truth in our homes if it's not cultivated in my life. It will never be important to me to speak that to my children if it's not important for me to get it into my own life. It starts here. And that's why I tell everybody, if you want to make a difference in the world, you better make sure you're laying your face before God and in his word, because otherwise you're not. We see a lot of times too where, um, and I know sometimes that could be hard because the, the one of the main questions I get is where do I start? If yeah. I'm going to start studying the Bible, where do I start? Well, you know, Paul, if you look at what Paul says with the gospel and the word, he talks about milk and he talks about solid foods. There yeah. is a certain level and there's a growing process when we look at the word. And so if I was to tell somebody who's just beginning, start in the book of John and get familiar with Jesus and read John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And if you have to wrap it around and read it again till you get to really have lay that foundation of who Christ is mm -hmm. and then go on and read acts. And then like, I'm very careful even with the Bible app, because I feel like some of those studies on the Bible app are watered down. I, I used to do them with my youth group when I was in youth. And I thought I'm depleting, like, this is not nourishment enough for me. I have to actually, because now if you're just starting out, like my boys, the Bible app is okay. I'm still leery about some of the, the studies. I think you have to be mm -hmm. careful with them. But they, that's where discipleship comes in too. Where is a good solid mentor who knows the word who can help lead you in? And the churches need to be putting that in place because it is hard to do it on your own, but reading and then getting into studying, getting a good uh, study Bible, like the ESV study Bible, where there's commentary at the bottom, it can give mm -hmm. you some of the context and some of the background and the culture. And those are the things that we don't, I was telling somebody today, um, they were used to be in my youth group that a lot of times I've heard people say, when I sit down, it doesn't do anything for me. I just hear the, the, and I just read the word and God's not speaking to me. And I always say, you may not get a nugget that pops out at you every single day, but that word is being sown into your heart to where if not today, maybe 10 days from now, maybe a few weeks from now, that word's going to resurface at the time that you need it. You're mm. planning it in your heart. That's what we have to remember. Not everything is going to be a direct return. The word of God, Jesus equated it to seeds being planted in soil. So our heart is the soil. We have to remember that every day that we go to the Lord, he is cultivating in us that truth and that word. And we are growing. We just may not see the fruits of it yet. And that is uh, that is something that we need to be. There's two responsibilities, the responsibility of the church and the responsibility of the individual. And if my church isn't doing a good job of it, then I either have to find a new church who will, or go to the pastor and say, I need mentorship. Like I need somebody to help me with this. And that's where we come together as the body of Christ and help each other out. Mm. It has to be that way. Mm, that's so good. Wow. Man, whenever you're talking about uh, the plant, the Lord has been showing me plants everywhere. I mean, as an Aubrey, I have like a hole in, in the kitchen. We have this uh, windowsill that's pretty like wide. I have all these plants lined now up. Now it's full <laughs> of plants. Yeah, it's yeah. like adding. But I think it's because the Lord's speaking so much about pruning, thriving, yeah. flourishing, you know, um, even even like moving yourself into uh, giving yourself more space, how, you know, a plant, if you have it at home in a pot, it's going to get bigger and it can't stay in that pot or it's going to just stay that size all the way. Right. It's not going to grow anymore. Um, it might not technically die, but it will not grow. And so it's, it, that's exactly like what you were talking about in your church. And uh, that was something during quarantine when Aubrey and I, cause we worked at a church 
And the Lord was working on us hardcore because we were working in this church where we were go, 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 go. And then stop for a second, sleep a little, go, go, go. Like it, it didn't stop. And so we didn't have time, honestly, to really sit with the Lord and wait and linger. And when we were in quarantine, we didn't have a choice, but to sit yeah. and, wait and linger. Yeah. And this, that is when the Lord completely renewed our mind. What, what Paul said, because like, it was, it was almost like everything in our spirit was okay. Things might go back to normal eventually, but we will never go back to normal. We can't, there's just something in us. Like we literally can't, we've been with the father truly sat with him and learned so many things. And then the Lord told us to move. So we, so we moved (laughs) houses or everything. We completely moved like what, three hours away. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and not quite as big of a move as you're about to make. But. Not across the country kind of move. <laughs> that's still that's still hard. But your heart is mine. That was too. I said I told my husband there is no going back to yeah. what was. That was status quo, and we needed something to shake us up and make us make these big decisions and changes in life. And that's a hard place to be in when you don't know where exactly God is taking you at the moment. Yeah. At the time, I knew I knew there was no going back but I didn't know exactly where yes. we were head to. And that was a little bit of a, of a difficult uh, reality, you know, because I hadn't been there. And when you think about if I would have known then that it was going to be moving South Carolina and doing all these different things with my family, uh, changing my dynamics with my, my boys too, yeah. I'd have been like, what in the world? So it needed to, be, it needed to go slow. That's for sure. But I, yeah. I know exactly what you mean when you say there's no going back to, to what was. And I love that because I often wondered, are we the only ones who feel this way or is God shaking others up, you know? Even at the end of 2020, you know, there were so many things on social media, like, oh, thank God 2020 is over. I was like, 2020 was the best year that we had in so long. And I was like, maybe I'm the weirdo that's saying that, but hey, we got another. I know, and and everybody everybody kept posting, I can't wait till things get back to normal. And I'm sitting here going, are y'all crazy? I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I did miss, you know, I, I wanted to be around people. I'm a people person. I yeah. wanted to shake hands and, you know, hug people and everything like that. But like, there was so much revelation, uh, like Holy Spirit revelation that came to us because the Lord was saying, all right, shut it down and, and really start focusing on what it is that I have for you. And so then you start measuring things. Okay, Lord, what has eternal value and what's just me putting in work? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that was the difference of the shift that came in our hearts where I just told the Lord, I refuse to do anything that doesn't have eternal value. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Don't store up treasures here on earth, right? Like you're storing up treasures in heaven. And so it, it was kind of a dangerous prayer, if if you will. But I mean, I didn't think it was. I said, Lord, wherever you say go, I'll go. Whatever you say to do, I'll do. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to fight it because if God's saying it, he's going to provide for it. And he's going to hold your hand as you go through it, whether it's rough or smooth or whatever. And it said, so 2020 was fascinating to me (laughs) because I think honestly in 2020, I got closer with the Lord than I ever could have dreamed that I could be. And I started hearing things and seeing things in the word that was like, has that been there my whole life? Yeah. You know, and so then it just kind of jumped out. And so now, you know, finding balance between where we are now and like, I'm always trying to like poke and prod at people going, okay, what, you know, what, what's jumping out from the word to you right now. And they're, 
they're just like, well, you know, Sunday at church, we learn, and I'm like, no, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, you personally, specifically, yeah. you know, it's like, you, you have to learn to hear the voice of the shepherd because once yeah. you do, you'll, you'll never go back. Exactly. Exactly. You said that you told the Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'll go, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Yeah. That is the prayer I prayed at 19 when I felt God really dealing with me and really calling me into just loving, lo loving truth. Not sure where I was going to go with it, yeah. but I said, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I just want to know you. And I tell myself all the time, if I ever veer off that desire to know the Lord, that yeah. I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. So every day I gauge myself of, off of, am I studying and am I praying and am I, am I seeking God to know who he is? Because I guarantee you when you do, I told myself the other day, as much as I've been in the word and as much as God, like is even studying apologetics, you always have content because God's always speaking to you and showing you things. And it's not because you're trying to have content. It's because you're in the word. And that's just how it's going to go. When people come on your podcast and you say, what's on your heart? It's like, when you're in the, with the Lord, the floodgates open. It's like, well, I'm, let me tell you what God's been doing in my life, you know? And so yeah. I love you guys, a couple of things you've said, I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's so my heart. It's so what God has dealt with me with. And I love hearing that because it's like, yes. And you're in Oklahoma and I'm in California, but God's people are God's people yes. and right. he us where we are. And that's, that's amazing. I love that. Love it. Oh my goodness. Well, um, it's coming to an end, but I'm like, <laughs> every time we have the, like someone on, I'm like, Oh, I want to keep going because yeah, the same heart, same spirit, you know? Yeah. So we'll have to have you come back on hundred percent because yeah. I was already thinking other things in my head that I'll have to write. <laughs> yeah. Save it for later. Just yeah. little nuggets. Yeah. But there was something that the Lord has really, really shown us is that, um, he's really been calling his church to consecration, specifically repentance, uh, you know, purification, things like that. Yeah, like the Josiah generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something he said to me the other day, it sounds really morbid, but <laughs> he said to go where I'm calling you to go, you have to be dead. That's it. Like, you know, we have to die to our flesh to be able to do what he's called us to do, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it sounds like, no matter who calls you crazy behind the scenes, no matter what's happening, whatever the Lord has called you to do, you have to fully die to that flesh so that, you know, we can truly go live. forward with him through mm. that and truly live. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think too, that's something that's an unpopular message. Um, when we talk about, you know, when you see that self-love and, and all that, those messages, I talk about those all the time because they just are like, <laughs> They're just like a grading, you know, oh, yeah. um, because that's not what God meant by that scripture. But my whole point to say that was the message of taking up your cross and following the Lord and dying to self is so unpopular. Yet at the same time, that is where the abundant life is found. Yes. And that's yeah. where people don't realize that connection. When we truly die to self and we are following the Lord, um, we are going to live the life that God has intended for us to live yeah. because yeah. we're, we're not going our way. We're going his. And so I just wish that people can make that connection. Like you have, that's, that's great. You know? Yeah. So, okay. So we're going to, we're going to wrap it up and call it quits for this episode, but I want to, I want to give you one, one more opportunity. What if, if there's one more thing that you want to share with anybody who could be listening, like something, I don't, I don't care if it's like a, you know, a fight statement or something like just to, just to continue to, um, like 
I guess what you'd say, like stoke the fires, if you will. Yeah. Um, like what, what's one thing in this season that you're, everybody needs to hear this before, before we move on? Well, I would say to whoever's listening, if you're a Christian, you need to rise up, stand up, speak up and be an ambassador for Christ. That's what we need. I don't care what denomination you come from. If you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, we need ambassadors for the Lord in the culture that we live in today. Don't be afraid, be equipped, get into the word, show yourself a worker who is not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth and God will open those doors and um, be bold. We need your voice in this, this world today. We need it. Wow. Mm, yeah. Your so voice good. matters for oh, sure. Man. Well, thank you so much for joining thank us today. I, yeah, I hope so that great. Yeah. And okay, uh, Shannon, say a few places where people can find you. I'll put yeah. it in the show notes, but I just want to make sure maybe if we say it twice, people um, get it. Yeah. I'm on Instagram most of the time, shandafulbright.com or not.com. That's my website. Sorry. Back up, back up. That's my website. <laughs> At Shanda Fulbright is my Instagram. And I'm on uh, Facebook under that as well. And uh, it's only one Ellen Fulbright. And then her faith inspires podcasts is where you'll find me every week. Yes. yes. Yeah. And it's so good people. You got to You got to subscribe for real. It's <laughs> so good. Oh, thank you so much for coming on Shana. Thank this was you. So awesome. So filling. And so yeah. we just hope and pray that everybody that's listening, that you, you got something yeah. from this, that you decide to step up and you become an ambassador for what the Lord has called you to do. And it's going to be good. Yep. Yeah. So be sure you connect with, with Shanda on any of those platforms. Uh, you won't be sorry that you did, but we'll see everybody next week right here. Peace of authenticity. Um, be blessed. Bye guys. Oh yeah. There's still